Welcome to a new episode of Land Grant Holy Land in Conversation. My name is Matt Tamanini. On this podcast, we talk to people in and around Ohio State athletics and the sporting world at large to bring you a different insight and perspective to the teams, athletes, and university that you love. On today's episode, we are in conversation with Land Grant Holy Land's very own men's basketball expert, the myth, the man, the legend, Connor Lamans. Connor, how are you, man? I'm doing great. I'm excited for, for this week, not just for our games, but for some of the other games that are uh, on the slate later this week. And now that we've got like for sure games happening, we're all not just me, but everybody else is, you know, busting it out, trying to get as much stuff as we can published and done this week before the season starts. Well, and that's the thing is that normally we realize that the basketball season is going to be starting, you know, towards the end of the football season. But one, we're in the middle of the Ohio State football season right now, which makes things a little more complicated. And two, really until just a few weeks ago, we weren't 100% sure when or if the Buckeyes were going to play because the schedule has been ever evolving. So where do we sit right now in terms of the Ohio State basketball schedule, especially with what we're going to get in the non-conference? So it looks like it's pretty much set. Um, there was supposed to be one more game that now I guess isn't going to be added um, Ohio State was supposed to play in the battle for Atlantis, which then went to South Dakota and became the Bad Boy Mowers crossover classic. But South Dakota oh. is basically the worst state in our union here for COVID. So then <laughs> most teams pulled out of that. I'm just disappointed that we don't get the Bad Boy Mowers, whatever it's called. Like that's battle that's a for, battle for South Dakota, basically. Yeah, that's an L as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> And um, so then it looks like there's going to be a small tournament. They're calling them MTEs this year, and I don't know why, but it's basically a, a tournament. It's going to be in Columbus. It is Ohio State, Illinois, uh, Illinois State, and UMass Lowell. There was supposed to be a fourth mystery team that I guess is not going to be plugged in. So I guess it's just going to be those three. Ohio State would have a 26-game schedule, assuming they don't add in another game, which I anything's possible at this point but then that is not that does that not include moorhead state is that separate from that mte moorhead state is a completely separate okay. game that's been on the schedule for several months okay so they've got uh, the little three or i guess two game mte thing at home and they've got um i'm not looking at the schedule right now but alabama a&m moorhead state north carolina and notre dame i believe the other four correct yeah those are those are all of the non-conference games that they have, which is much different than what we'd originally expected. Not only did they have the battle for Atlantis, but they had a bunch of other things. What are the games that they were supposed to have, if you can remember off the top of your head, that are no longer on the schedule? The only one that I can remember is that battle for Atlantis. But the big difference is, unless you remember something else, but the big difference is the battle for Atlantis field when it was in the Bahamas, Ohio State was going to play Memphis right off the bat and then probably West Virginia. Okay. So you would have had an opportunity to play a couple top 25 teams in the first weekend. And now because of all that's going on and South Dakota is just not doing too hot right now, um, they had to sub out those games against good teams for games against teams not that teams. they will they will beat. Yeah, yeah. So that leads into the Big Ten schedule, which has been starting in early December for the past couple seasons. It'll start in mid-December this year. It starts off right away with Purdue. And then just a couple days before Christmas, they play Rutgers. And if people forget, like Rutgers is good. Uh, and it, it, And then they play Northwestern in Evanston, which is always a challenge. And then they finish off the 2020 calendar year with a home game against Nebraska, which... 
they've got the mayor as the as the as the head coach, but whatever. But like those first three games are not going to be easy for Ohio for an Ohio State team that is still kind of thin and has a lot of uh, gelling that they're going to have to do early in the season. Yeah, I think that uh, I mean I was looking at the schedule last night actually, and and uh, I think that the beginning of the schedule is pretty friendly for them. Um, Purdue. They're they're fine. They're not going to be the same Purdue that we've seen in the last five or six years. Okay. I don't think um, Rutgers is good, but it'll be a home game. How much that matters with no fans, I don't know. Um, Northwestern is essentially um, a glorified MAC program right now, so and that might be insulting to the MAC. So Northwestern. Oh, okay, okay, fine. Okay, I was wrong. Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> Northwestern should be an easy win, and Nebraska is. Um, yeah, Hoiberg's there and I don't know really what he's doing with Nebraska. I think that eventually Nebraska is going to be good, but Northwestern and Nebraska again are going to be your solid bottom two. Um, I think Purdue's going to take a step back. I think we'll be better than Purdue. Um, but you're spot on about Rutgers that, you know, they pretty much have the same team back from last year and Rutgers was just as good as Ohio state last year. Okay. So this is what's interesting to me. When I see all of the attrition that's happened on the Ohio state roster, whether that's um, uh, Andre Wesson or Caleb Wesson or any of the guys who transferred out either during or after last season. I expected Ohio State to take some steps back, but the guru of all that is college basketball advanced analytics, Ken Palm, he has Ohio State as the 10th ranked team in the country. What am I missing here, Connor? I don't know if you're missing anything. I also could be missing something because okay. I don't think that Ohio State is the 10th best team in the in the country, I think at the end of the season, if if every player that they have on this roster basically hits their ceiling, like Seth Town suing all the way down to like the freshman and Arns, then yeah, this is probably a top five or top ten team. But the odds of everybody staying healthy and everybody like firing in all cylinders at once is probably not too high. Um, I'm not sure what Ken Palm loves about this team. I think that they've got uh, some good defenders on this team. Musa Jallo is going to be healthy again. Hopefully healthy for for Wednesday. Kyle Young is back. Um, you know they they don't have probably the shooters that they did last year. They lose Andre and Caleb, their two best three point shooters. But Chris Holtman's teams have been consistently great on the defensive end. So maybe Ken Palm is going with what he knows about just Chris Holtman versus the roster. But I'm not really sure because I saw that last night too, and I'm I'm not totally sure. There are some really good teams that are ranked lower than Ohio State and Ken Palm. Yeah, right now he has basically the reason that he has Ohio State uh, as number 10 is the fact that he has their adjusted defensive rating at 10th and adjusted offensive rating at 20th. Now, obviously, the top five teams are kind of all around both in the top 10. But then you've got a team like Texas, which is right above Ohio State, as the fourth best defensive team and the 34th best offensive team. So I think he's he's kind of given Ohio State some credit for the balance on both ends of the floor, which... Okay, I, I I I was a little surprised when I checked Ken Palm out, but you'd mentioned some of the new guys on the team, whether that's uh, Justice Suing or Seth Towns. This team is going to look a lot different for Ohio State than it did in I guess March when their season officially ended uh, earlier this year in 2020. You've got a number of transfers. You got a couple freshmen who I'm not expecting the freshmen to do much uh, of anything this season, but between transfers that are new to the program this year and or sat out last season and are now eligible. There are going to be some guys that are going to contribute that we haven't really seen for the Buckeyes yet this year, but it still feels to me like the bulk of this team is going to be led by 
guys are going to have to are going to have to step up um, from what we've seen them Purdue in previous years in Columbus. Yeah, I think the big one that people are forgetting about is CJ Walker. Um, yeah. Towns is going to be good. He's new. Suing's all the new shiny toys, I guess. People are super excited about. Um, but CJ Walker is 23 years old. He has been in college for five years now. He has been <laughs> around the block so many times. And last year, those last six or seven games, you kind of saw that if CJ Walker just shoots the ball instead of passing, which you know we love that he's a pass first guard, he's great. He can score 15 to 20 points any game. I mean, he you get him to that elbow with a little open 12 foot jumper, it's just it's butter. And he doesn't turn the ball over. He can get a bucket whenever you need a bucket. Um, and this team basically has three guards. So he's going to be playing probably 35 minutes a night. He's going to be so important to this team. And he totally could end up being all Big Ten anywhere from first to third team. I think he's going to have an awesome year. And he's going to be like the consistent thing when everything else goes wrong. I think he's going to be the consistent thing that is going to be there the whole year. So let's talk about some of these new shiny toys. You mentioned Seth Towns, who has gotten a lot of, of press not only because he's a Columbus native, he went to Harvard, he got involved with some of the protests over the summer in Columbus, but from what we're hearing, he's not really all that close to to playing, still at least a month or two away from playing for the Buckeyes, and this is after missing his final two seasons, or most of the, his final two seasons at Harvard after being the Ivy League Player of the Year. What can we legitimately expect out of Seth Towns for a guy who's going to miss half of the season or or a third of the season, uh, and then who knows how he's actually going to look when he actually starts putting some minutes on the floor? Yeah, I don't. I don't think anybody really knows how to answer that question right now. Um, if you watch, you know, if you follow him at all when he played for Harvard a couple of years ago, which, um, self admittedly, I did not watch much Ivy League basketball <laughs> all right. ever. You're, you're excused. You're fine. That's all but, right. You know, if you go back and just look at, you know, some videos from when he played for Harvard, just the stat lines. I know it's the Ivy League, but it looks like if he's totally healthy and you look at his stats from a few years ago, he's a big guy without looking at the roster right now. I'm pretty sure he's somewhere between 6'6 and 6'8. He's about 200. 6'8. They've got him at 6'8. Yeah. About 215, 220 pounds. He shoot shot the three ball at like 40 to 45 percent at Harvard. Um, And like he's a big guy, so he can score at all three levels if he's healthy. But that kind of concerns me that he had a knee injury and he's been out for two years, like not two months or two, like two whole years. And he's still not ready. So can a week or two turn into a month or two? Like, will we even see him this season? Um, yeah. None of this was mentioned um, months ago when he when he transferred. There's a lot of hype, but none of this is really mentioned that it's that he could miss half the season so i don't think anybody really knows what about justice suing he's the transfer from cal who a lot of people are excited about he, he sat out last season um in the transfer uh, because of the transfer but now he's eligible to play for the buckeyes what are they getting out of him i mean because i think he led the team in scoring for the bears before he transferred he's six seven 250 15 pounds how does he fit in a chris holtman uh coach team I think he's going to be great, and I think if Towns is out, he's probably going to start from day one as long as his uh, as long as his foot is healthy. I'm pretty sure his surgery that he had last year was on his foot, but he was already sitting out for the transfer year, so he hasn't you know put many miles on it since he had it you know fixed up and and repaired there. Um, as long as he's healthy, he's going to be great. I think um, I was looking at his stats last night too because I was trying to figure out like is it possible that Justice Suing could be 
more productive and more important to this team than Seth Towns could be. Um, and I mean, he he doesn't shoot threes very often. I think he's like 30 to 35 percent from three, but he's a big guy. Um, he can defend the perimeter. He can defend the post. He reminds me body size, a lot of Andre Wesson. Andre Wesson was a better three point shooter. But I think mm-hmm. all around Justin Suing is probably a much better player than Andre Wesson. I know you loved Andre Wesson. But I did. I did. <laughs> Suing is like, and he played in the Pac-12, so no knock on Seth Towns for playing the Ivy League. But the Pac-12 is a legit conference, Power Five conference, playing good teams, playing UCLA, playing Oregon, playing USC, and he averaged almost 15 points a game for them. So, you know, even if he's averaging, if he drops off and he's scoring 10 to 12 points a game for Ohio State, that's great. That's a huge pickup. Yeah. And so that that's kind of like the shiny new toys. There's also Jimmy Sotos who transferred from Bucknell, who we didn't think was going to get to play this year. He appealed uh, the NCAA decision and now he is eligible to play right away. He's going to be, I mean, I don't think, I mean, he's going to be a guard and there are so few guards on this team that he's probably going to play, but I don't see him being a huge contributor to you. I think he's going to play a lot. I think he's yeah. going to play probably 20 plus minutes per game uh, just because you have Dwayne Washington, you have CJ Walker, um, and then you have Soto is probably right behind them. Eugene Brown, I don't know a ton about. The more that I read about Eugene Brown, the more I like him. But I think Soto's, if you're looking at like the pecking order, he's going to be above both of those guys. I'm mean, not both of those guys, just Eugene Brown. Um, he was the leading scorer at Bucknell, I think. He was the leading assist man at Bucknell. He was basically Chris Holton and basically pried away Bucknell's best player. So <laughs> sorry to Bucknell this year, but um sorry. Sotos is he's six three. I think he's also like two fifteen, two twenty, so he's bigger than Dwayne Washington. He's bigger than CJ Walker. Um also wouldn't be shocked if if Towns is out, he gets a little more time because maybe they'll run three guards early. But uh I don't know a ton about Sotos and that's partially on me because I let it I let it sit because I thought he wasn't going to play. So there's right. it'll be interesting to see what kind of player he is. Yeah, they've got him at 6'3", 200. So he's this the the height you said not as not as big muscularly or weight wise, but still a guy who can contribute. But okay, so let's talk about some of the guys who are returning and what can we can expect from them. You mentioned C.J. Walker. He's going to be the leader of the team. He really kind of showed himself towards the end of last season. And honestly, he was one of the reasons that I thought that if the season had not been canceled that the Buckeyes could have, you know, done some damage in the NCAA tournament, which is really disappointing that they didn't get a chance to do that last year as they were constructed with the Westons and everybody else. But there's some guys on this team that I think, given the opportunity to play more, a year of development, um, maybe being finally healthy, could really uh, step up. Let's start in uh, the front court because, or at least in, in the legit front court, because there's two guys that I think are a little different but very interesting, and I'm interested to see how much they play alongside each other. How much, um, you know, how how they how they handle Kyle Young back healthy again for a senior season, and then EJ Liddell, who really came on at the end of last season and had some some really great games, and could be a different type of player than Ohio State's had in recent years because it's been a while since they've had a legit rim guarding shot blocker at the back of this defense. Yeah, absolutely, and he's fun because. He's a shot blocker. He's a he's a big kid. He's a I mean he goes up there like almost sometimes with your two-handed like volleyball blocks and he's a he's a showman, man. He gets the people on their feet. There won't be any people to stand up this year, but um he's only about 6-6, six, six, I think, which is six, seven, shorter, yeah. shorter than Kyle Young, I think, or about the same yeah. size as Kyle Young, but like you said, obviously two very different players. Um Liddell reminds me 
a little bit of Jared Sullinger. I don't, I don't want to put that on him. I don't think he's going to be as yeah. good as Sullinger was. If he was going to be as good as Sullinger was, we probably would have already seen it. But he's going to be really good. He was tinkering with the jump shot a little bit at the end. Um, and more than anything, he can bring energy and excitement to this team when things go stagnant, which that happened a lot in past years when if Caleb Wesson was out of the game and you bring in a guy like EJ Liddell. Now, Wesson's not here this year. It's going to be that responsibility is going to spread be spread around to everybody to be the guy. But Liddell, more than anything, he's just exciting. He brings that energy. Um, I don't know what else there is to say, but even beyond the stats, he is just brings something extra to that team that can get them going. And that's not dissimilar from kind of the role that Kyle Young played. They did it in different ways, but Kyle Young has always kind of been a glue guy, a, a you know, a, a a spark plug kind of player because he does the things that aren't the sexiest. He gets in there and gets rebounds. I mean, him and him and Andre both kind of did that last year. But now that Kyle Young is a senior, he is uh, hopefully healthy because he's had you know his share of injuries over the last few years. But he only averaged seven and a half points per game last year, five point eight rebounds, nearly one assist. But he led the team in field goal percentage. But he seemed like much more important than just a seven and a half point, five point eight rebound a game kind of guy, didn't he? Like, didn't it feel like his value to this team was a lot more than his stats indicated? Yeah, absolutely. And when he missed time last year, you saw like everybody was talking about Kyle. Nobody was talking about Kyle Young until you don't have Kyle Young. And you're like, wow, yeah. we they really needed Kyle Young, um, especially with Andre there. I'm sorry, not Andre with Caleb there. Kyle being there with Caleb, Caleb being a shooter. Really, they just worked off each other really well, where if Caleb moved outside, Kyle could move inside, you know, so on and so forth. And this year, I don't think that we really need Kyle Young to do anything other than what he's already doing. Like you said, he's the most one of the most efficient, if not the most efficient scorer in the Big Ten. He doesn't take a bunch of shots, but he pulls down a lot of offensive rebounds and he gives his teammates opportunities to make extra shots. And his problem has been on and off just getting hurt. It's like how often has Kyle Young not been a question in a uh, yeah. press conference about is his leg hurt, is his ankle hurt. So Kyle Young just needs to keep doing what he's doing and just hopefully stay healthy. The other guy who I guess is probably technically a front court guy who has dealt with injuries is Musa Jallo. And what we've heard most recently is that there is a chance that he will be available to start the season on Wednesday. They, they're calling him a game time decision. But when Musa Jallo has been available, he has been a guy who has been one of, if not the best defender on the team for the Buckeyes. Obviously, we don't know how healthy he is, how long it's going to take him to get back to 100%, especially considering this year is so weird. But what is the ceiling for Musa Jallo if he is healthy and ready to go at full speed at some point in this season? I still think that Musa Jallo is, is more of a role player. Um, he reminds me a little bit of, of Sam Thompson from several years ago. Mm -hmm. um, he's explosive. He's a great defender. Sam Thompson was a great defender, um, but he's limited on the offensive end. And he's going to be a role player, I think, until he leaves college. Probably doesn't matter what if he stays at Ohio State or if hypothetically he transferred. Like That's just he's limited in his offensive game, but he's so good on the defensive end. Um, I don't think that there's any point where he'll start for Ohio State this year, but if he's healthy and you can bring him in and stick him on, you know, the opponent's star player, it obviously wouldn't be like a center. 
but he could guard a guard. He can guard more likely it'll be wings. Um, but he's just such a good defensive weapon for Holtman to throw in there and say, you're on him. He's not scoring. So like a, a Marcus Carr, for example, if we could ever stop him, um, just plug him in and say, he's not scoring on you and he'll do it if he's healthy. Yeah. So looking at two other guards here for the Buckeyes that I want to hit on is Dwayne Washington Jr. Uh, is the first one. And he's a guy who has had some ups and downs in terms of shooting. It, it seems very odd. Like I think in both seasons um, that he's been in Columbus so far, he started the season shooting super well. And I don't know if that's just because teams weren't giving him a lot of credit, but then as he started to show that he can hit shots, defensive is, uh, defenses has kind of been focusing on him, and then his shooting percentage goes down as the year continues. Now that he is an upperclassman, now that he is presumably going to have to be a leader on this team with there being so few um, guards on the team, what, do, what should we expect from Dwayne Washington Jr. in terms of his third year in the program and how much he's going to evolve into a veteran upperclassman leadership position? I think more important than you know what he physically does as in scoring the basketball is going to be mentally, you know, how is he upstairs? And, and there was a game or two last year. He was suspended for a game. He was benched for mm-hmm. the game against Indiana, I believe, just because Holtman said, like, I don't I, I'm watching how you're playing defense. And you're not like we're pulling you. We're, we can't have you out there like this. So with the amount of weapons that Ohio State has this year with Towns suing Dwayne Washington, C.J. Walker, I don't know if his stats are going to increase that much. But if he can play better defense, if he can make better decisions and like you said, just be a leader for this team, that's what they're really going to need from him. Because those are the kinds of things, you know, you can't be a junior. <laughs> you can't be in your third year and starting on this team and have your coach pulling you at halftime because <laughs> You just don't care on defense anymore. So it's really going to – you're going to see if he's matured or not. That's the most important part. And I think Adam Jardy from the dispatch wrote a piece on him about a month ago about how that's what he's been working on this offseason is just trying to mature mentally, be you know, be better and be more prepared for games so that, that kind of thing doesn't happen again. All right, and that brings us to the last guy who's technically he's, – he's a forward. I mean he's, he's 6'6", but – the way that I kind of see him being used this season is a little bit more of a of a shoot first wing, and that is a guy that you wrote an article about on Monday that kind of uh, popped a little bit, and people were really excited about, and that's Justin Arns. He's kind of been a forgotten guy on this team. He'll get in, he'll get a little bit of run here and there, but he's another one who is a junior. There's a there's a space created for him on this roster. Who who is Justin Arns, and what should we expect from him? I mean, w- what I would like to see and what actually is going to happen are probably two separate things. I think it would be really smart. <laughs> I read the article. I, I read the article. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, I, like I, I think it would be smart to get him a lot of time early because there's no covering up that he lacks in a lot of areas of the game. Like he's not a great defender. He's not a great rebounder. Basically, he's a great three-point shooter. And other than that, he needs some work. So is he a great three point shooter, though? I mean, like, is he I mean, yeah, he is. He's um, I mean, he shot basically 40 percent his freshman year and he's over 40 percent last year from three. So he's he's really good. He only shoots threes, basically. Yeah. Um, But he's a great shooter. He's not going to be a starter for this team. Obviously, I don't know if Holtman's actually going to give him time in the first few games. I don't know what his role is going to be on a team. Um. I'm sure that they expected him to develop into a lot more in different aspects of the game by this point than he actually has. So I hope that 
you know, he's improved in some other areas where he can get some more opportunities because when he is on the floor, he's a threat. And when teams don't plan for him, um, it can bite him in the butt. As you saw a couple years ago against Iowa when he just absolutely exploded. And I don't know if anybody can blame Fran McCaffrey for not planning on Justin Arns dropping a 30-burger on him. But <laughs> Oh, Fran. I just don't I don't know what's going to happen to him. I don't think that he's going to get many many minutes this year. Um he could even sink below the two freshmen on the you know on the kind of the totem the pecking order of who gets time just cuz all he can do for you is, is is shoot threes right now unless we see in the beginning of the season if he's worked on some stuff. Yeah, I mean it's been a long weird off season so who knows what can happen. So all right, let's look at the Big 10 as a whole here real quick as we wrap up. Um, as you said, Purdue is probably um, going to take a step back from where they normally are. I I still not put anything past Matt Painter, but Michigan State, Wisconsin, probably at the top of of the conference. Then you've got teams like Illinois and Iowa who will probably be fairly decent. And then there's a group of like Michigan, Ohio State, Indiana, and then maybe you throw in Purdue there, uh, maybe behind those top two to three, four teams as well. So I'm looking at Ohio State somewhere in the four to six range am i is that is that fair there or am i over or under um anticipating what chris holtman could pull off this season no i think you're i think you're just about right um i think there's like a clear three best teams and ohio state's not one of them and then who's the third michigan state wisconsin and then who's the third um so i'll say wisconsin iowa illinois would be my three and then oh okay not even michigan state no, and then I was going to say maybe Michigan State's kind of like a floating four there where they're probably good enough to be at those three, but I want to see it because they lost okay. a lot. Yeah. Um, and then once you get past those four, I think you're you're pretty much right. So like Ohio State, Rutgers, Indiana, um, Michigan is going to be good, and nobody's talking about Michigan, and I don't like that because that's when Michigan yeah. is their best is when nobody's talking about them. Yeah. So what is your and we're going to do a projections article, um, which depending on when this podcast comes out, might be out already. I don't know. But um, what is your expectation for where Ohio State finishes this year? What is their ceiling? Are they an NCAA national championship level team? Um, all of that stuff. Are they going to cut down all the all the all the nets? What, what do you expect to see from this team this season? I think that they're probably the fifth or sixth best team in the Big Ten. I don't think that they're going to be able to beat Wisconsin, Iowa, Illinois, Michigan State enough to stay at the top of the conference. But um, there's so much that kind of hinges on how healthy they are. If they get Seth Towns for one month of the season or two months of the season, um, you know, is Justice Suing going to score 14 points a game again? You know, there's a lot of questions, especially with health. These guys, I would say that if they're firing on all cylinders, if everybody's healthy, um, this team could go farther than any of Holtman's prior teams at Ohio State, so at least a Sweet 16. Um, if you have guys that are hurt, if Towns doesn't play till February or something like that, and then, say, Suing and Sotos are just not the guys that they were at their old schools, um, maybe another year where they sneak in and, and they win one game in the tournament. But I don't see a Final Four team. But if they're all healthy this could be a team that goes farther than any other team Holtman's had at Ohio State and wouldn't be crazy to see Sweet 16 Elite Eight, which Ohio State fans haven't seen. And I don't even remember the last time Ohio State made it to an Elite Eight, so that'd be awesome. All right, I, that's a little surprising. I'm not going to lie because I did not expect um, this team to be better than the teams that we've seen under Chris Holtman because he's we know in his first few seasons in Columbus, I feel like he's overachieved a lot but had pretty decent 
pieces. Uh, I didn't expect them. I, 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 when I look at this roster, I don't see better pieces than in years past. Maybe that's just because some of them aren't things we've seen before. Um, right. So who knows? I hope you're right. I, I hope that we finally see them uh, advance past that second round of the NCAA tournament. But we will see unless unless we don't see, because who knows if the season actually get, uh, actually happens to fruition or not. There's a lot of talk, obviously, of postponing the NCAA tournament, which is starting to gain a little traction. But who knows? Uh, who the hell knows at this point, Connor? Yeah, we don't got to go there. Not no, yet. No, not yet. I just I mean, Patino went there already. So, I mean, whatever. Anyway, that is all that we have for today's episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of Land Grant Holy Land in Conversation. Connor, thank you for joining us. Where can people find you on social media? Um, so on Twitter, I actually changed my, my Twitter handle so it's oh. easier for... I remember last year you gave me some flack I about did. it being too complicated. I changed it so it's just at Lemons, so L-E-M-O-N-S, just like lemons, at Lemons underscore Connor. I'm putting stuff out on, you know, tweeting out articles pretty much every day, and as the season goes on, there should be stuff coming every day or every other day basically and um i'm mainly on twitter there so if you want to see random basketball thoughts and other nonsense that i'm surely grow tired of within a few days that's where i'm at (laughs) yeah Uh, if you are finding this episode on land grant holyland.com please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts uh obviously we are starting to ramp up our basketball coverage but we are also releasing a different podcast episode every day throughout the college football season so you will not find an ohio state sports podcasting universe quite like ours for better or for worse we will bring you all different kinds of focuses and perspectives i guarantee also don't forget to follow land grant holy land on twitter at land grant 33 and you can find me at bww matt thanks for listening we will talk to you again soon and as always go bucks go bucks